Well, hey everyone, we are back and we are here with Amy. How are you? Dr. Amy, you. right? <laughs> now, you are a workplace communication. I know our viewers out there, they probably want to know, what does that mean exactly? Well, so I am technically an industrial organizational psychology practitioner and okay. workplace expert. I help employees and employers get along better. I improve inter-office communication and the flow of dialogue between employer and employee and colleague and colleague. I think that is so important because I, anyone who has been in the workplace for any amount of time has encountered some problems, right? Definitely. Uh, let's take my friend I mentioned in the introduction. Mm -hmm. um, I, can I share with you what happened? Sure. She had a boss who actually singled her out in front of, well not singled her out, in front of everyone started berating her about something that she had done wrong. She felt this small and honestly just from an employer standpoint isn't that counterproductive it is definitely oftentimes bosses who do that actually have some type of a bullying tendency and they might have an emotional issue themselves an insecurity is that right and so they sort of toss that insecurity to the person they're berating ah okay so they're transferring like, like that an emotional hot potato I'm going to toss this to you because I can't handle it myself that's interesting that's interesting so in the workplace what, I'm, I'm just curious, sure. you see it day in, day out. What are some of the common problems that you see? I think in general, yes. it's truly miscommunication. Is it's that right? indirect dialogue, speaking about someone instead of to someone, speaking about an issue instead of directly addressing the issue. Mm. And then people are scurrying around to try to please others, not really knowing what it is that they need to do in order to be successful and in order to meet objectives. I'm curious, you just said something very important talking about someone or around someone instead of to someone and in today's day and age with technology in your opinion what does email and text do for communication I think it's horrendous now I think that electronic media is obviously necessary yes. it's the way of the world mm -hmm. and it's a great way for us to have an electronic paper trail right. to keep track of dialogue but we always need to have that initial dialogue face-to-face -face or by phone or even video conference so that we can get the intonations the inflections and understand truly what it is even right now you're nodding because you get what I'm saying yes and that is so important to communication nonverbal cues are missed and sometimes when we have the old the typing or the texting then people misunderstand, misrepresent, perhaps even get angry, unnecessarily so, right. by something that wouldn't have come across in such a manner if it were just directly you know, communicated instead of communicated the other direction. So I'm a business owner, as are you. Mm -hmm. So I am curious about wasted time. And what I mean by that is how much time, or is there time wasted by going back and forth on email had we not just gone directly to the person? That is one of my biggest pet peeves. I encourage people to get up from their cubicle and go to their neighbor and actually have a discussion. If you want to get something accomplished, you can do so much more effectively with three minutes of chatting face-to-face -face, right. or again by phone as compared to email back and forth and so what happens is because we end up doing that we waste time reading rereading trying to understand asking our colleague what they think something means instead of again going directly to the person who has the issue or with whom we have a question and actually interacting that way oh, that's interesting that is fascinating actually so another question that is top in my mind and you and I have had discussions in the past how rampant is narcissism in the workplace? So narcissism, narcissism is one of the key questions I get asked about all the time. My narcissistic boss, my narcissistic colleague, my narcissistic subordinate. So someone who is a narcissist 
is going to be one who would have been a narcissist as a young child growing up all the way through the ranks. So I think that that word is overused. Is that right? Just like passive aggressiveness and other words like that right. are buzzwords in today's society, a narcissist does exist, but sometimes people may not be narcissistic fully, just have narcissistic tendencies. Oh, there's a difference. There is I a did difference. not know that. So if I told you that you're obsessive compulsive, you say, gosh, I'm not, but you might have certain obsessive compulsive tendencies. I definitely oh. do, as many of us. Right. But I would never call myself and label myself in such a manner. And so what happens is people label and throw that emotional hot potato onto someone and say, you are a narcissist, and then that causes tremendous problems. But if we recognize that, hey, someone might have certain mean or cold type tendencies where they pass the buck instead of taking ownership, that's not good. And it is definitely something that narcissists do. But that is not fully defining someone who is a narcissist. And so there is that really important distinction. Yes. And when we recognize this is definitely an undesirable trait, mm -hmm. this is definitely an undesirable behavior that I don't want to deal with in the office, right. I need to learn when or why my boss or my colleague might act in such a manner so that I can then know what I need to do to get what I want to need from that very difficult individual, especially when he or she acts in a narcissistic way. I understand. So. And I'm sure you have a lot of examples. Do you have an example of someone, without naming names, of sure, course, sure. in the workplace that was truly narcissistic and how that employee or employer was able to overcome that or get through it? Sure. So I actually, I, I unfortunately do deal with people who truly are narcissistic on a regular basis because that is a tendency that we see, especially with leadership type roles. Yes. There was a boss I worked with who really, one-on-one, -on -one, was a very nice person. Very calm, very cool, very collected. Yes. However, when dealing with his employees, he took a bit of a turn. And people wanted to stay out of the hot seat. They uh, didn't want to be right. the one who was berated. And so they would do everything possible to try to please this boss. Problem is, the boss would continuously change his mind. What a directive that was so important one moment would all of a sudden not be important the next. And the employees wouldn't know. So they were How jumping around. that it would be? Oh my goodness. And so the only way that we were able to make headway was for the boss to actually recognize some of those tendencies. Mm. And even though I would definitely qualify him as a full-blown narcissist, he actually had a lot of other nice, beautiful qualities that he could nurture. And so the idea was to let him become aware as an outsider, it's a lot of times easier to share some of that. Yes. So he said, really? People see me that way? <laughs> it, it, I love those aha moments because once they recognize that, if they're truly willing to change, then they're able to take a breath yes. before necessarily doing something that might be a bit on that narcissistic way. And literally, it is just like that emotional hot potato. I right. heard that analogy a while back, and I thought, gosh, that's great. You know, here, I'm tossing my problems to you. Generally, narcissists truly are really uncomfortable. They don't have as much confidence in their own abilities, and so therefore they then assume that others don't, and if someone is perhaps doing a little bit better or may get the spotlight, then they try to put that person down. That's interesting. So that they are then not able to rise up. And so the other people on the other side, those who are being treated poorly by someone who acts in a narcissistic way, need to recognize, you know what, hey, I don't need to take this. Yes. My, I have three kids, and when my middle child, Adina, was, um, she was two, my older son was bothering her, normal, typical brother-sister right. stuff, 
And she looked at him and she said, don't do that. I love myself too much. And it was such a parenting moment. I was so proud. And of course, you know, my my son said, of course, you know, and they have a beautiful relationship. But the idea that she was empowered to do that, that's what we need to do in the office. Now, obviously, you're not going to tell your boss, I love myself too much. Don't treat me that way. (laughs) (laughs) But, But what you can do is say, in order for me to be most productive, yes. I need you to tell me exactly what to do and when. Yes. In order for me to meet objectives, in order for me to perform with quality, here's what I need. And when we use language like that, it stops any boss in his or her tracks because they obviously want productivity. They want positive performance. And they do want their employees generally to be happy and to feel comfortable and confident at work because at the end of the day, that helps them to achieve their broader objectives. That's interesting. That's fascinating. I am curious. This yeah. is such an incredible topic and so so needed. I mean, people need to know more about it. And we, we deal with it every day. What got you into the field? I, I have to know. So I was either going to become a clinical psychologist or a lawyer. Really? My grandmother was a mentor of mine. And she handed me a newspaper clipping that was all about industrial psychology. And she said, this is your field. It covers time management and goal setting, helping to improve the lines of communication in the workplace, helping to improve overall job satisfaction, morale. And that's, the, that's what I've always done my whole life. My friends have always come to me to help them to make a decision that was logical and without uh-huh. emotion, sure. to come up with pros and cons, to better manage time. And so those were things that I just loved to do, and learning how to do so and putting theory behind it was really very successful. So I, I attribute my, my choice for career truly to my grandmother. Oh, that's great, that's great. Now, Amy, you also, in addition to all this that we're talking, you're an author, am I wrong? I am. You are. And we actually, for everyone out there, we have the book right here, Working with Difficult People. So what was the motivation behind writing this book? So this was a very special project, near and dear to my heart. My grandmother was uh, the first author for this book. She wrote Working with Your Difficult grandmother. People. She wrote di- Working with Difficult People over 25 years ago. That's incredible. She was a forerunner in her field. She was just someone who gave such beautiful advice that was logical, practical, and she was a communication expert and helped to help many employees within the organizational setting and wrote a number of books, one of which was Working with Difficult People. And I realized that the book was still selling despite the fact that the advice within it was was rather outdated. Sure. And so I approached the book publisher and asked if I might honor my grandmother's legacy by revising and modernizing the book. Oh. And it was such a beautiful moment when they said yes. And the experience of going through her words and massaging them, taking things out that were no longer relevant, adding in topics like passive aggressiveness and narcissism, which were not popular 25 years ago. But keeping a lot of the a lot of the bones, which truly uh, made it a very very special project, almost like Nat Cole with Unforgettable, you uh-huh, know, right. when you get to to revise it and just add with it was a, a truly beautiful project. Oh, that's great! Truly a labor of love. Am I wrong? Definitely. So, reading the book for viewers out there that may want to read the book, what what are some major points that you make in the book? So, the book is designed to help employees, employers, and subordinates deal with difficult situations. So, I've broken it into various types of difficult people, Mm -hmm. and then how to handle those difficult people differently based on your relationship. 
So if we have a narcissistic boss, we would handle him or her differently than we might a narcissistic colleague or a narcissistic subordinate. So not only is there an explanation of what each type of difficult person is, but also specific tactics and strategies to help you get what you want and need from those individuals. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, and there's an index, which I know a lot of people use, right. so that they can pull and say, okay, I've dealt with someone who falls here. How might I help address this particular issue? That's great. Now, Amy, do you do any workshops? I do. Any seminars? <laughs> I mean, and you, I know you are a public speaker. You speak all the time. So tell us about some workshops you have coming up. Sure. So I generally help people specifically with this communication type issue. That's a hot buzz right now. Helping to navigate difficult workplace relationships mm, okay. by using specific clear-cut language to get what we want and need. I also emphasize the importance of taking emotion out of workplace relationships. Okay. I personally am a pretty emotional person, and I think that's a good trait. Yes. However, in workplace-related situations and relationships, when we're able to be more practical and take emotion out, then we can truly get what we want and need from various people in their workplace relationships. And so I try to encourage that through specific strategies and tactics. People walk away recognizing that they don't have to be best friends with everyone they work with. They just need to have a common understanding right. so that they can get their job done and go home to the people they love and want to spend that extra time with. Instead of worrying about work, they're able to do, just like my grandparents did years yes. ago, come home and put the briefcase by the door and not pick it back up again until the next day. That's my goal. And that in today's day and age. Very hard. I also so help hard. with boundaries. Really? Helping individuals to set boundaries, how to address a boss to say, you know what, hey, I want to do my job and do it really well while I'm on the job, but uh -huh. when I'm not, I need to have my own time. Right. And how to say that, especially in this technologically advanced world where everyone expects to respond right away, and 12 hours is way too long to respond to an email. So how to set those boundaries as an employee and how as a boss to manage your employees and your customer base so that you are satisfying both. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. What an incredible conversation. I mean, this is such an up-and-coming topic. I mean, we all need to be talking about it. So for viewers out there, just in concluding the interview, what tips would you leave them with, Amy? I think the main thing to do is to take emotion out of workplace okay. relationships. Do your best, even though you're emotionally invested and really angry, to stop and be practical. What do I need to do in order to get what I want and need from this particular individual? Right. How can I still be true to myself yet get what I need from this person. When we take emotion out, yes. we recognize that we don't need to be best friends with everyone. We just need to get our job done and be professional and sociable. That's incredible. That's not always easy to do, it take the emotion out. It is not easy. No. It is not easy, but when you can own that, yes. the world changes. That, I can see that. I can see that. So for people out there that are watching this interview and they want to contact you, they want to do a workshop, they want to purchase your book, where, where would you point them? So my website's a great start. It's cooperstrategicgroup.com. Uh -huh. You can also follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm now on Instagram as well. Twitter handle is Amy Cooper Hakeem. And I would love to, uh, to speak with anyone who's interested in need of services, whether it be professional speaking opportunities or consultative needs. I consult both individually and group-based. Oh, perfect. So, and the book is everywhere books are sold. It's in uh, Amazon, but it's also at Barnes and & Noble and, and any other bookstore. Also, I believe that it is on audio. And there's also an ebook version. Oh, perfect, perfect. Well, on behalf of the entire Plum Talk team, I want to thank you for joining thank us. You so thank you so much for so having me. Yes, it's it been really fun. fun. Yeah, really fun. it thank has you. been. <laughs>